right, let's take our Bibles, if you would, please. Go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 10. Acts chapter number 10 tonight is where we're going to start things off this evening. Acts chapter number 10. All right. Uh, previously, we've been uh, going through the book of Acts, talking about uh, some different things. We've noticed how all the way back at the very beginning, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, very familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, it says, Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. It says, And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. One thing we need to keep in mind is that the ministry gets its strength not from us, but from the Lord. And uh, what he was telling them is that as they're going out and they're being witnesses, that they need to make sure that he's with them. Uh, and he was saying, listen, uh, but I'm about to pour out my spirit. And he told them to stay there in one accord, to stay in this place. He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit. And they were in one accord in prayer and supplication. And uh, that's also a great lesson for us that if we want to be filled with the spirit of God, we need to be people of prayer. We need to be praying. We need to be into the word of God, walking with him. And then all throughout, we've talked about different things throughout the book of Acts. As we've gone through, we got to the stoning of Stephen and how uh, Saul uh, was standing there uh, holding the coats of the men that stoned Stephen. He saw that, and then he got orders from the uh, high priest there to go and to uh, imprison uh, the church and to take people captive and uh, kill them if need be. And on his way there, and on the road to Damascus, uh, he met the Lord, and uh, the Lord changed him and saved him. And uh, in chapter 9, you read about the, the transformation that took place in the life of, uh, of Saul, as we know it. And even throughout it, people didn't believe it. Uh, they didn't believe the change, and uh, they were even planning on killing him, and they had to sneak him out. And then Barnabas, that encourager, had to try to help him out and say, hey, guys, no, really, listen, he's preaching, he's different, uh, he's been changed. And uh, what a testimony it is to know that when uh, the Lord gets a hold of your life, he changes you. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new in the Lord. And then at the end of it, you know, Peter does a, a miracle here, which God does a miracle through Peter, and... Uh, we see Dorcas is brought back, uh, and look at verse number 39, it said, Then Peter arose and went with them uh, when he was come, and they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping, and showing the coats and the garments of Dorcas made which she was with, went while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, and turning him to the, uh, and turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints, the widows presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon the Tanner. Now here we are, Dorcas is now brought back to life, and God does a miracle through Peter, and uh, we never can mistake that it's not Peter that did the miracle. It's God through Peter that did the miracle. And God allowed this miracle to take place for one purpose. And that was to bring people to him, to his knowledge and his, his understanding. To know God, just as our theme is this year. To know God and to make him known. 
See, God allows these circumstances to happen, these miracles to take place, all the way even back in Pentecost, how people understood in their own language those tongues that were speaking. They said, how are we understanding these Galileans talking? How do we know what they're saying? If we're hearing this in our language. How are they speaking? God did a miracle to show his power and his goodness. And in this passage of Scripture, Tabitha, or Dorcas, the name is there, that uh, she's made alive. And it said, and through all of this, many believed in the Lord. You notice they didn't believe in Peter. They believed in the Lord. And whenever we have to understand God allows circumstances to happen, it's because he wants the glory, and he wants the honor, and he wants the praise through it. And uh, the, test, the fact that we're testimonies of God's miracle, how he can take a lost soul and change their life, change their destination, put us on a new track. Old things can be passed away. Behold, all things can become new. God gets the glory for all of that. That's nothing that you and I can do. But I'm glad for the saving grace of the Lord. I'm glad that he changes us uh, through the blood of Christ. We sang that song, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You know, the fact is, it's, I'm glad for the blood of Christ. Without the shedding of blood, the Bible says there is no remission of sin. And I'm sure glad for it. And this, Now we're here to chapter number 10. God just uh, did a miracle. People believed in the Lord. And now here in chapter 10, something takes place that doesn't usually happen. And you say, what's that? It's one of the Jews now are coming to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles don't, uh, aren't typically, uh, they, they don't... Uh, converse with the Jews and the Jews don't converse with the Gentiles they're they're still separate in all of this but look at 10 it said and there was a a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius a centurion of the band of the Italian band a centurion is a soldier and one who had uh, and when he was he wasn't just any soldier he was one that uh, was in command he had people under him that were, uh, he was kind of one of the, as you would say, maybe a sergeant in our military. He was one that had men that followed him. But Cornelius now, it said that he was a devout man and one that feared God with all his house. And he gave much alms to the people. And he prayed to God always. And he saw in a vision, evidently, about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming to him and saying unto him, Cornelius... And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one, a Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. See, God was rejoicing in the fact the angel of the Lord was now talking to Cornelius saying, hey, you're doing some right things, you're praying and you're giving alms, but you're missing out on something. There's a part that's, that's, that you haven't gotten yet. He said that some, Peter will tell you what you need to do. See, Cornelius was a religious man. Cornelius was a man who, liked to go, who, who was going through the motions. And I believe he was doing it with a good intention. I believe he was doing it because he wanted to please God. And he wanted to do those, but he was missing something inside of himself. It says in verse number, uh, verse number uh, 7, it said, And when the angel of the Lord, which spake unto Cornelius, was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. On the morrow, as they went on their journey, 
and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending upon him as it had been a great sheet knit with uh, knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manners of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. See, there's a, a principle in this. I know we tease about this passage of Scripture. I like to deer hunt. Most of uh, uh, a lot of people in this room like to deer hunt. And the thing about this is uh, oftentimes we try to say, well, God tells us to rise, kill, and eat. See, God's doing something in this passage of Scripture. He's trying to teach Peter a lesson. He's trying to teach Peter something that the gospel is not limited to the Jews. The gospel is not limited to one certain group of people. He tells him, arise, kill and eat. And they said, no, I can't do that. It's unclean. It's not common. It's not something that I should be doing. And he said, listen, what I have cleansed, don't call it common. And listen, when he died on the cross, when Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross, he didn't just shed his blood on the cross for the Jews. He didn't just shed his blood on the cross for the wealthy folk. He didn't just shed his blood on the cross for those that were uh, deserving because there wasn't any deserving. The Bible said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None of us are deserving of the grace of God. None of us are deserving of the love of God. None of us are, uh, have enough social status to get you to heaven on your own. The Bible says that our righteousnesses are filthy rags unto the Lord. There's nothing that you and I can do uh, to gain heaven. And in this passage of Scripture, Peter has been doing some good things. Peter's been talking to people. He just did a miracle. We just saw how he told Dorcas to arise and many believed on the Lord and Peter's actively serving God but here's a man that's searching for the Lord the man Cornelius and listen when somebody's searching for God God's going to make a way for them to know where he is the Bible says if you seek him you'll find him I believe there's lost folks even out there tonight, Faith Baptist Church, that are seeking for the Lord. And they need somebody that's willing to go and tell them about the greatest news that they could ever hear. And that is about the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 14, Peter said, uh, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that, uh, that call not thou common. This was done thrice. And a vessel was received up again into heaven. Now, while Peter doubted in himself what the vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore. And get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore ye are come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man and one that feareth God 
and of good report among all the nations of the Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. Then called he them in and lodged them. And on the morrow Peter went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And the morrow after they entered into Cornelius, uh, into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them and called together his kinsmen and near friends. Listen, he was anticipating a church service. He called people together and said, listen, I'm sending for Peter, and there's something Peter's got to tell me. The angel of the Lord came and said, this man Peter is going to come and tell me something I need to hear, and guess what? If I need to hear it, you all need to hear it too. He was excited about this thing. He said, Peter's about to tell me something, and it's from God. I wish we'd get that excited about somebody had a message from God to us. We just say, hey, you know what? Let's come and hear what God has to say. Let's come and hear what the preacher has to say. Let's come and hear what the Word of God has to say to my heart. Now, Cornelius is going through the motions. Cornelius is a religious man. Cornelius is doing everything he knows to do to try to please God. He feared God and he wanted to please God, but he was missing out on something. Cornelius did not have a relationship with God. The angel of the Lord appears before him and he says to him, he said, oh, your prayers are being heard. I know you're seeking me, but there's something that you're missing. And now Peter's doing something that's very odd. Peter even called these men in and they lodged them, which was really unheard of at the time. And now he's heading back to go to Cornelius's house, somebody that the Jews normally wouldn't associate with. He's coming back to tell him something of the Lord. And as we go down through and read this, it says in verse number 23, Then called he them in and lodged them. And on the morrow Peter went away with them, and a certain, uh, certain brethren from Joppa accompanied them. And on the morrow after they entered uh, Caesarea, and Cornelius waiting for them, which had called together his kinsmen and near friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Now, wait a second. He's falling down at his feet worshipping. You know what? Cornelius is still a little confused, isn't he? Cornelius is thinking that Peter has the power. Cornelius is thinking that Peter's the one that has everything he needs. But it's really God that had everything he needs. And said he fell down and worshipped him. And if Peter was like most people, he'd say, that's right, fall down at my feet. But look what Peter says. And Peter took him up saying, stand up. I myself also am a man. You know, he said, don't worship me. I'm just a human. Worship isn't for me. Worship's not for you. Worship's not for any person. Worship's for God. And as he talked with them, he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, Ye know how that it is unlawful, it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or to come in unto another nation, but God hath showed me that I should not call man common or unclean. See, now Peter's figuring out what God's trying to tell him. All the way back in Acts 1.8, when he said, Ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and in the uttermost parts of the earth. He saw that God really meant what he said, that the gospel is not limited to one group of people. The gospel is to everybody. Whether we think it's unclean, whether we think they're not worthy, whether we think they're not the people we ought to be talking to, we need to understand 
understand that God wants all men to be saved. And Cornelius was searching for God. Cornelius wanted God to, to speak to his heart and to his mind. He was trying to do the right things and he was seeking after God. And God said, hey, I have somebody that will tell you what you need to know. And he was anticipating it, brother guy, so much that as soon as Peter comes in, man, he falls down and just begins to worship. But he's worshiping the wrong person. And Peter's trying to help him out. He said, God taught me a lesson through all of this too. He said, you know that it's unlawful for me that's a Jew to come in and to you guys and to uh, have company with you or even talk to you. And there's some lessons that we need to learn through all of these things. And we're going to continue. I'm, I'm setting this uh, picture. We're painting this picture through all of this. And uh, the, th- the basic theme that we're uh, talking about tonight is breaking the barrier Uh, that's the theme of the message tonight. It's called breaking that barrier. There was a barrier between the Jews and all those on the outside. And God's trying to cut that wall down and say, listen, the gospel's not just for you guys and this group of people. The gospel is to be extended to anyone that wants to receive it. And there's some lessons that we need to learn through all of this, but I want to continue to finish down and see what, uh, what the Bible says happens here in this passage. Verse 29 Therefore came I into you with gainsaying as soon as I was sent for. And I asked, therefore, for what intent ye have sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour. And in the ninth hour I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard and thine alms are, uh, are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call uh, hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of Simon a tanner by the seaside, who uh, when he hath come shall speak unto thee. Immediate, therefore, immediately therefore I sent to thee, and thou uh, hast well done that thou art come. Uh, that thou art come. Now therefore, all we, are we all present before God? To hear all the things that are, command, uh, that are commanded thee of God. Then look what it says. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. You know what he said here? He said, listen, I, I see now that God's trying to teach me something through all this too. He said, God's no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. The word, that word, I say, ye know which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land and uh, of the Jews and in Jerusalem who they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all people, but unto witnesses chosen before God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. You know what he just told him about? The death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. He just told him the gospel, didn't he? He said, listen, you're going through these religious acts, but let me tell you what word I came to teach, to tell you about. What God wants you to know about. And that's about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And verse 42, and he commanded us to preach unto the people. 
and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remissions of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they, and they of a circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as, we, as, we, as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they to him to tarry certain days. So what just took place is a whole group of people just got saved. And after they got saved, the principle of baptism after salvation was brought forth. He told them, hey, they need to be baptized. He said, a lot of you are standing here astounded, but listen, God's no respecter of persons. God taught me that. And anyone who believes on the Lord will have remissions of sin. Anyone who will believe, I'm glad for the whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm glad that God brought it to the Gentiles. Otherwise, you and I'd be in trouble, wouldn't we? I'm glad that it wasn't just limited to the Jews. But in breaking this barrier, now this barrier has been broken. People are looking astonished that, whoa, now these Gentiles are having the same Holy Ghost that, that we have. They've now been saved. And what's going on here? And Peter now says, listen, they just need to be baptized now. They're part of the family. What can we do about it? Nothing. They're saved. They trusted in the Lord. But as I went through this passage of Scripture and I went through this chapter, there were some things that really stuck out to me that we need to learn about tonight. Firstly, is that religious deeds are insufficient for salvation. Religious deeds are insufficient for salvation. See, at the very beginning, Cornelius was praying to God. He was giving alms. He was doing those kind of things, but that wasn't good enough to get him saved. He was still missing something. There was still a void in his life. And there's a lot of people today that are doing a lot of religious things. There's other religions out there that are teaching that all you got to do is do some good works or all you got to do is uh, maybe just even be baptized or all you got to do is say five Hail Marys or all you got to do is this or all you got to do is that. And there's no works that you and I can do. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Listen, just because someone's religious doesn't mean they're saved. A lot of people say, oh, well, you're a religious person. Listen, there's a lot of people that are doing some good things that are very religious people, but they're just as lost as that, uh, that drunk on the street that's never trusted Christ as their Savior because activity is not a substitute for spirituality. And just because somebody's going through the motions doesn't mean they're saved. You know what? I know plenty of people that have grown up in a church like this, that have heard the Word of God preached, that have over and over and over done some really good things. And then you see them in their adulthood. They come down and they trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. And you say, man, what really took place? They were a Cornelius. They were one who was going through the motions. They were one that was doing some of the right things. They were some of the ones that were, uh, man, they were coming to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. They were even maybe riding on a bus route or they were doing this or they were doing that. But their activity made them believe that they were saved. And listen, it's not by our works that get us to heaven. Religious deeds are not sufficient for salvation. The only thing that's sufficient for salvation is belief on the Lord Jesus Christ in the finished work. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, right? 
Jesus is the way. He's the only way for us to get to heaven. There's not many ways to God. There's one way to God. And that's through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't get there on our own. No religious deed is sufficient for us to get there. And Cornelius is a great example of what majority of the world, when you talk to people and you say, hey, do you know you're going to heaven? They say, well, I go to church. Or I'm a good person. You've heard it before. You go to talk to them, you hand them a gospel tract, say, hey, do you know you're going to heaven? Well, I've done some good things. Because you know what? In their mind, they think these good works are going to satisfy God. My good outweighs my bad, and if my good outweighs my bad, then God's going to show favor on me. You know why? That's why Muslims kill themselves. You understand that? They think they're trying to find favor with Allah, and that if they just do this, and they they do this for a cause, that guess what? They'll find favor with their God, and they'll go to heaven. But that's a lie from Satan. Satan makes them believe a lie. There's other people that think, well, you know what? If you give to the church, God will find favor. And you'll get to go to heaven. But the Bible also says that if our works could get us to heaven, then Christ died in vain. He came to die because we were worthy of death. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world, the Bible says, but that the world through him might be saved. See, our sin is what condemned us to hell. And our religious deeds don't do anything in the eyes of God other than say, hey, Your righteousness are filthy rags unto me. So the first lesson we need to learn is that religious deeds are insufficient for salvation. Listen, I'm here to tell you tonight, if you're not saved, you need to trust Jesus as your Savior. Don't allow your religious acts to make you think you're on your way to heaven. Because the only way to get there is by trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. I love what it says there. They believed on the Lord for remission of sins. They had to believe on the Lord. You notice it didn't say they had to pray a prayer. It said they had to believe. They had to believe. Listen, just saying some empty words don't get you to heaven. There's been times I've said that people miss heaven by 18 inches from a head knowledge to a heart knowledge. Oh, they know it up here, but they've never genuinely received it here. See, Cornelius understood that there was a God. And he wanted to do what he could do to please God. And he thought, hey, if I do these good things and I give my alms, then God's going to find favor. And God said, no, Cornelius, you're missing out on something. You need to hear about something that will change your life completely. And here comes Peter. And listen, this man was searching for God, Cornelius. Man, he was searching for God. And you know what he did, brother guy? He went around and grabbed all his friends, all the people. I don't even know if maybe some of them were the soldiers that he commanded. Just get to my house. Somebody's coming to say something. I don't know how it actually worked, but I know there was a bunch of people there. And when Peter comes in, man, he's excited, ready to hear what's got, what God's got to say. But he, he thought Peter was the one with the power and the answers. And he finds out real quickly that Peter's there just as a messenger boy. Peter's there with a message from somebody way higher than Peter is. He was there with a message from God. And he tells him about the gospel, the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord. And they received the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit came upon them. And then they were baptized. And what a blessing that is. Religious deeds were insufficient for salvation. But God's chosen method is the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection. That's the, God's method. That's God's method for reaching people. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Romans chapter 10. 
Romans chapter 10, verse number 14. We know Romans 10, 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we love that verse, but look at verse 14. How, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Listen, they need somebody to go and tell them. God's plan for the salvation of the world is for them to get the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, church, we're the ones that have it. In the word of God right here. And there's people probably even tonight that are sitting here in Martinsburg tonight with some emptiness inside of them. Some void in their heart. And they may be, Brother Scott, just like Cornelius, calling out saying, God, I'm trying to do the right things. I don't know really what else to, where else to turn. I don't know what else to do. And guess what? Satan's going to do everything he can to try to keep them confused and keep them searching for the wrong things. But we have the gospel. And most of the time what we do is we hide it inside of our coat. We say, I don't want anybody to know that I'm a Christian. They might make fun of me. But listen, the only way for that person to go to heaven is if they hear about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they need something. Somebody with enough compassion and and a heart for lost souls that are going to go out there and tell them, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's something that's not normal for us to do. Peter went to a place that was abnormal for him to go to, but he still went because God told him to go and he took God's chosen method. And that was the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, Cornelius, you're missing out on something. You did some religious acts, but it's the gospel that will change your life. But the third thing that I want us to talk about tonight, first off, religious deeds are insufficient for salvation. Number two, God's chosen method for the gospel is people reaching people. That's God's chosen method. is us going into all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature. Listen, could God still audibly talk to people if he wanted to? Sure he could. You think God could come to a lost person and audibly say this, hey, go down to Faith Baptist Church and talk to such and such. They have a word from the Lord that you need to hear. Sure, God can. That's why there's people that pass by and say, you know what, I've been driving by here for 10 years and I've never stopped in. But all of a sudden I stopped in here today for some unknown reason and they come and they hear the word of God preached and they think, wow, this is what I've been missing. Listen, the Holy Spirit, that still small voice still speaks to people, but God in an audible voice could still do that. But you know what God does? God chooses a method, and that's people reaching people. That's us going out into the highways and hedges and compelling them to come in. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. It doesn't matter their social status. It doesn't matter their degrees. It doesn't matter who they are. All of us have a sin nature and need a Savior, and it's people reaching people. But the third thing we need to look at tonight is this. The greatest impediment to the gospel is our own prejudice. First thing is our own prejudice. See, Peter, why didn't Cornelius know about all this? You know why? Because the Jews thought they were better than those other people. I can't talk to them. It's unlawful for me. You know, who who do they think they are? I'm not going to go out there and tell them about that. You think I'm going to go down and talk to that homeless guy, Miss Shirley? There's no way I can talk to that homeless guy. He's dirty. And that's what we begin to think. We begin to put our prejudices above, well, I can't talk to them. They're not the same as me. They're a little different than I am. And we allow our prejudices to stop us from giving the gospel to those that need it. 
Listen, when Jesus hung on the cross, he didn't look at us as white. He didn't look at us as black. He didn't look at us as Latino or whatever nationality you want to be. He looked at us as sinners on the way to hell. And he looked at us through the lens of the blood of Jesus Christ. And when God looked down on it, he said, listen, all men need to be saved. And the answer for that is Jesus, my son. That's how he looked at you and I. That's how he looks at everyone across this world. We can't allow our prejudice to stop us from giving the gospel out. Not only is it the, our, our, our own prejudices, but our own preconception of what God's already doing in somebody's heart. See, we can say, well, God, you know what? They, they don't want to hear what I have to say. You know what? We already have this preconceived idea that, well, they don't want to hear what I have to say. How do you know unless you say it? How shall they hear without a preacher? It said, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? There's times we allow our prejudice or our preconceived ideas to look at somebody and say, well, I'm sure they probably don't want what I have. We hear somebody out there, maybe they're having a bad day. Miss Shirley, they walk out of their house. Man, they just screamed at the mailman. They just, get out of my yard. I don't want you here. I'm just bringing you your mail, guy. Calm down. Well, I don't want you here. And then here we are knocking on doors or coming around. We're like, well, that guy probably don't want to hear what I have to say. Well, maybe he's acting that way because there's an emptiness inside of him and he's missing something inside of him. And God tells us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We have this already preconceived idea that, well, he's having a bad day and he probably doesn't want to hear what I have to say. And so I'm just going to skip over that guy and talk to this person. That that guy might be the very guy that you need to talk to. The Holy Spirit's the one that can soften his heart. And uh, maybe he's fighting against the Lord. And he's fighting against the Holy Spirit. And he's confused about what's going on. And he just needs somebody with enough compassion to look beyond uh, that, that preconceived notion that we already have. And just give the gospel to the lost. Our own prejudice, our own preconception, our own pride. Our own pride is one of the biggest impediments of the gospel. Well, brother guy, I... I just don't talk to people. I'm just not good at that. But those same people that say that, you see them stand there holding up the line at the grocery store because they just told the clerk behind there that they've never met before about their whole week where they just went on vacation and all these other things that have gone on and and the whole conversation, they just went through all this other stuff and they say, well, I'm just not good at talking to people. But you know what? We just have a pride issue. We're afraid of what people are going to think about us. Well, if I give somebody the gospel, Brother Scott, they may look at me funny. If I tell somebody about the Lord Jesus, they might look at me as if I'm one of these religious zealots. I'm one of these fanatics for the Lord. Listen, if that's the kind of testimony that you have, is that you're a fanatic for God, what a cut down. I mean, hello, you're a fanatic for Christ. Praise God. Hallelujah. You ought to do a cartwheel in the store and say, praise God. You think I'm a fanatic for the Lord. What a blessing. All of you need Jesus. You know what? But we allow our pride to stop us from giving the gospel out. How many times? We're all guilty of it. How many times have we been moved by the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us to tell somebody about the Lord, but we've allowed our prejudice maybe or our preconception or even our own pride in and of ourselves that, listen, I'm not going to be able to do that. And I wonder how many people are burning in hell today because we have messed up on this last point tonight. 
We've allowed our own prejudices, our own preconceived ideas, our own pride to stop us from getting the gospel out. Could you imagine if Peter would have said, Lord, I I understand I'm supposed to go, but that's one of the Gentiles. And he would have allowed his prejudice to stop him from going. But you know what? God said, listen, I sent those men. Go and don't doubt it. And so he went. He went. And as he went, he comes into the house and he's... Somebody falls down at his feet, Cornelius falls down, worships him immediately. He says, no, I'm not worthy of worship. Get up, get up. I'm a man just like you are. And Cornelius says, he says, listen, why did you call for me? And Cornelius tells him the story. He says, the Lord told me you have a word I need to hear. And guess what? All these people are here because we all want to hear what you have to say. And he tells him about the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And the Holy Spirit does exactly what he does best. He drew men unto himself. They received him. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. There was evidence of their conversion. And Peter says, you know what? If they're saved, guess what they need now? They need to be baptized. Anybody going to forbid them water when they've received Christ? And they were baptized. And he said they were baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they, then prayed they him to tarry certain days. They asked Peter, stick around with us. Stay around with us a little while. You know what? We just got the greatest thing we could ever get. Why don't you just stick around a little bit? And man, they were excited about it. Listen, we got to break that barrier in our life. There's some barriers that stop us from getting the gospel out. You know why our country's in the shape it's in today? It's not the world's issue. The world's always had issues. The issue is the church's issue. We have the gospel But we allow our prejudice, our preconception, our pride, all these things to stop us from getting the gospel out. And then we'll say this, well, I'm just not good at memorizing verses, preacher. And what if I get the wrong verse? Listen, if you're in this room today and you're saved, you know how you got saved. Tell them what Jesus did for you. Tell them there was a day I realized I was a sinner in need of a savior I realized my own works couldn't get me to heaven. I realized it was only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection that I could go to heaven. And because he rose from the grave, he offered life to anyone that will receive it. And he said, if I would by faith call upon him, ask him to be my savior, believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, he said, I shall be saved. And I put my faith and trust in him. And my life's never been the same. And you can tell him what God did for you. And guess what? The Holy Spirit will do what he does. And then there's something else we have called gospel tracts. You say, well, I don't know the verses. Hopefully you know how to read because on the back of it, guess what? You could just say, hey, what am I supposed to do? Recognize your condition. All have sinned. Hmm, where's that found? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. See, we put these helps here. Why? Because we don't want Satan to give you any reasons not to give the gospel to somebody. Read the back of it. You say, well, I'm not good at reading either. Quit making excuses and just obey God. Do what God tells you to do. Listen, there's a lot of people dying and going to hell. Even right now, as we're in this service, there's people all across our world that are going off into eternity. There's people in Martinsburg tonight that are in a hospital on their deathbed. They may have never heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I wonder if they were the one that was across the gas station from us, across the pump, that God said, hey, I want you to talk to that person. You say, preacher, are you trying to pressure me into serving the Lord? If I have to pressure you into serving the Lord, I'll do it. But the fact of the matter is this. God tells us to go, and he wants us to go. That's the first two letters of the gospel. Go. We have to tell them. But we allow our 
our own pride and our own prejudices and our own preconceptions of what God's doing in somebody else's life to stop us from serving God. Listen, may we make a decision tonight that if you're in this room and you're saved, that nothing's going to stop you from getting the gospel to the lost. Nothing's going to slow you down. There's no barrier that's going to be put in your path that's going to stop you from making sure somebody knows how to go to heaven. Don't let your pride, don't let your prejudice, don't let your preconception stop you from going forward for God. But if you're in this room tonight and you're not saved, listen, God loves you. And He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants you to be saved tonight. You say, preacher, how do I get saved? You believe that you're a sinner. Believe that your sin had a penalty you could not pay. Believe Jesus Christ came to pay that penalty for you. He died, was buried, rose again, conquering death, hell, and the grave, and offers life to anyone who will receive it. And if you will, by faith, believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, ask Him to be your Savior. He said, you shall be saved. That's God's promise. You can go to heaven tonight. With our heads bowed and eyes closed,